0: just that's the level of focus that it takes to make something good to do something great to learn something to feed yourself with inspiration to to nail a skill um to be brave and to be bold and to deal with all distractions and just get out there and go shit
1: i'm doing it this is my this is my good thing hello everybody and welcome to show love episode 12. Uh, my name is ben i'll be your host and uh, joining me in my lounge is the amazing, the incredible denim connoisseur that is Saimor. <laughs> connoisseur. Of thanks for joining me, man. Connoisseur of the of
0: the indigo arts. <laughs> yeah, good to be here in your very fine lounge room. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for joining me, man. Um, there's some good. There's. I did notice there's some pretty good
1: um, trolley here as well. A little tea trolley. A little bit of eclectic furniture. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't really have the most. Um, solidified furniture style but it does the job
0: no there's 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 some themes emerging there's some strong (laughs) themes emerging brown is a strong theme i am a fan of
1: brown brown and blue yeah good browns yeah good yeah good color palette thanks man appreciate it um yeah today uh we've got you on the show which i'm sure a lot of people um it's such a great phrase (laughs) eh?
0: Got you on the show (laughs) on the show yeah
1: joining me but i feel like i feel a little bit like um, Zach Galifianakis, like in, in between two two ferns. Can Brian you imagine Brenner? doing this with a live with a live studio audience? Fuck no! It's like, oh my goodness, this anxiety would just like like crash over me. I mean, it, it already is, but that's right. We surf we push the wave. Through. Surf the wave. We we do indeed surf the wave. Hey, is um,
0: this is this the pandemic edition?
1: <laughs> or by the time this well, comes out, the yeah. pandemic might be over. Hopefully, way. This is actually like you know our obituary. Yeah, we're we're deep in um, we're deep in pandemic yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're currently recording this. Uh, it'll, the, by the time this comes out, it'll be a month uh, after recording this. Um, so we're deep in uh, we're current. panic
0: mode. We're deep in panic we're deep mode. in, We've in got coronavirus
1: wedding cancellation. Panic We've closed mode. the borders. The yeah.
0: emails are flowing about three a minute. Yeah, with level of panic. Yeah. But it's going to be fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's That's not fine.
0: based on that reassurance is not based on any kind of fact. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. It's kind of like a level of mum when your mum says it's going to be fine. You yeah. know, you come home from that first day of yeah. school where you've just it's had a be real, fine. you've had a shocker. She's <laughs> like, it's going to be fine. And you're like, oh, it's going to be fine. And, and then 10 years later, you realise, my mum didn't know anything about
1: why it was going to be fine. Yeah. Just trying to calm you Sorry, off, no. off the track. It's oriented. fine. I we're feel really like that's right. Um, it's, it's we need to get... acknowledge this, this we, pandemic. Yeah, we do, we do indeed. It is, it is affecting a lot of people. And um, it'll like, actually be interesting to see where it is a month from now. Um, and see how that all turns out. But on uh, yeah, today I thought it would be great uh, to sit down and chat with you, which I'm sure a lot of people um, watching and listening will be very excited about. Um, to basically, to chat through just how you've developed your your style, your aesthetic, um, all the different influences that have that have come together to create Bailey and more. Now, um, so I guess kind of to start us off, um, do you want to give us a little bit? Of insight into your early inspirations. I know you've come from the music world, the yeah. early days, yeah, the early days, uh, the early days, yeah, my blue it, period. Now still transition as <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, I think like I, I had. Um, I mean, both so so Sophia, like my wife and business partner, life partner, the ba- she's the Bailey to my more, um We both came from like different creative disciplines. So she'd been. She'd been a designer, you know, working in ad agencies and stuff like that and doing visual stuff, like, for a long time. I've been, like, playing music for a long time. Um, you know, a long time. Um, and we'd both kind of got our um, got our process down in both of those things, you know, figured out what you're on about, figured out what you're doing, figured out how it works. You know, you just figure out the recipes of how you make good work and what, all that sort of stuff you do. Um, and then... When we met, we kind of both jumped from our respective creative disciplines, like into the photography game, you know? Um, and so we brought with us the, all the processes that were kind of involved with those two separate things. And I think anyone who's sort of jumped, you know, jumped categories or gone across into a new creative thing, you just go, you suddenly go, holy shit, same rules, it works, it's the same thing, you know? So if you've done, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you're subscribed to that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 Hours thing. Um, but it's, there's definitely a lot of truth in the fact that after a while of doing X amount of stuff you, you start to figure out a, a really strong process that works really well and you can start to apply all the same kind of rules to every project to go, ah, I'm pretty, I'm confident I mean, that's that's basically what confidence is confidence is going, I know I can show up today and I know that I've got a process that means that I'll get pretty close to the same result every time um, so yeah, we just applied that to, applied that to photography and and sort of like moved moved forward pretty solidly. I think one of the things that, that I've always been aware with of making music um, is that you're the sum of you're the sum of your of the stuff that you listen to, you know. Um, and you know, like I mean, there's a I, there's a great story I always tell about like making a record with like a really great um, Welsh producer. Um, and you know, we were sort of sitting up doing stuff in the studio for. You know, for the first day or whatever, all the normal set of sort of set up stuff and he's this young this young kid who's the artist, you know, who's from a major label and um and sort of to put him off like the like Greg, the producer is just like, um, legend in his broad Welsh accent, which I won't try and do. Mm-hmm. Um was just like, Oh, you know, like, um, maybe go and go away and sort of find us like three records that you've been listening to that have kind of really informed the songs you've written, you know, that you kind of want this to sound like. Um Really just kind of being like, we're just getting yeah. some stuff done yeah. over here. You know, can you yeah, just yeah. go to this thing? Um, you know, and, and, and this kid comes back with, I remember like one of them was Coldplay. And I remember us all being, um, all being, you know, a bunch of people who just play on records for a living. We're just all shocked. you yeah. are just like, oh my goodness, please don't let this be. What is, we're like? What are you doing, Greg, asking him to bring in a Coldplay record? Um, and then Haver's just like, yeah, what don't you do like tomorrow? Why don't you bring in have a look at who these guys were listening to when they made this record and bring in three records they were listening to and this kid's like it well, seems pointless but he does it you know anyway like and the process goes on for a few days yeah. and then eventually this kid's like discovering like you know Miles Davis and Howling Wolf and you know like some, some real classic yeah. 50s magic yeah that, that was really potent, like, really, like, almost, is this listenable? What is this? This is some batshit crazy stuff recorded around one mic in the middle of Mississippi and, you know, whatever. And um, that's, that's the st- stage where it was just like, oh, shit, we can do something with this. Like, this is some inspiration that we can work with. And it was just a, it was a really good, uh, it's a really good lesson to just go um, that whatever you're looking at or whatever you're using to feed yourself or in- inspire you, like there's some building blocks somewhere deep in there that you might as well get in touch with the rawest of the building blocks. You know, um, like you see people like like I always talk about William Eggleston, who's you know, fantastic um, American photographer from like the golden era of you know like sort of sixties ish pioneer of color color photography and a color style um, color style and composition style which has. Um, informed a huge amount of cinematographers, like he's like his color, st- like obviously he most of his stuff he shot in landscape. Which then, if you're if you're making films, you go like, okay, well it's easy to it's easy to reference," you know. Um, but his color style and how he would like craft his color palette, like two or three color color palette, mm-hmm. massively informed everyone from like Kubrick through to like you know, Christopher Nolan, like yeah. and everyone in between. And so when people talk about a, like a cinematic look, mm-hmm. often they feel like they're talking about a you know, they think they're talking about a, a composition style or just a, you know, two point three five yeah. to one yeah. or something like that. But in fact, if like eventually somewhere in all the people that they're referencing, William Eagleston will be a, yeah. a source. Yeah. And it turns out that when they say cinematic, they're talking about this limited colour palette. Yeah which straight away makes it feel like a film. Mm. And so it's like if you, if you realise that like your favourite filmmaker or your favourite photographer, if you go back a couple of layers mm. that William Nicholson is at the source, just go straight to him. Yeah. Feed yourself him. Feed yourself the most potent yeah. thing rather than having it, yeah. you know, pull back through someone else. You know, It's kind of like if you're, if you're making a record, eventually you end up listening to The Beatles. Yeah. You know, just go mm. listen. Just start out with John Lennon. Just yeah. go listen to The And it's like... I rem- you know. It, often you'll hear people reference a lot of these legacy names and these inc- like incredible. Because vi- the twentieth century, or the last half of the twentieth century, was this insane visual. Oh, what's a ridiculous word for cornucopia. a feast? Cornucopia. Like is, that, yeah. is the cornucopia? Is that kind of like the, the crazy horn with the stuff coming out of it, like the pastry horn? Yeah, with the, yeah. a cornucopia of just. Of remarkable stuff, you know, like the onset of... Of, of movies, the onset of films, like the onset of like the photographic game, you know, all of these things, these people pioneering this crazy shit. But also, at the same time, the last half of the 20th century was this insane time for music as well, where you get the electrification of music, and you get people doing stuff and making sounds that they could never have made before. And so all the songwriting and all the visual storytelling in that last half of the 20th century just was ramped up to, to 11. Um, and so, I you know, I, I think... I don't know how do we how do we get onto this? Um, no, I think like a, a key thing of of like what Soph and I when we were starting Bailey and Moore and doing Bailey and Moore was about was just going. We just need to feed ourselves some good stuff, yeah. and we didn't want to feed ourselves wedding industry stuff. Not that there was anything wrong with it. but we just got we just got more of a buzz out of beautiful classic stuff that we were like, holy shit, look at this. Whether it's old National Geographic's. Like we, I discovered this crazy nineteen seventy four National Geographic at our Airbnb where we were staying on the weekend for a wedding. Some guy, Sam Abel, shooting this like this story about Newfoundland, and you sort of open the the the, the front, the first double page spread of the story where it's just this beautiful photo of these two fishermen, and then just the credits, and it was you were just like this might be the greatest thing I've seen in 10 years. This is, who is this guy? Like, and I'm stealing this National ge- geographic. Like, it's not staying here. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. All of these things. I think it's just worth looking at... Um, I mean, you. I guess what I'm saying, this is a long-form way of saying, you are what you eat. Like, without a doubt. Like, what you put into yourself is what you're going to get out, you know? Um, and your creative diet is is key to making good stuff. Yeah. And so... Um, I think monitoring that, it's like, the more mature you get as an artist, the more mature you get as, you know, even as a business person, whatever it is that you're doing, I think you start to feed off different stuff, you know, you start to go, shit, this this level of stuff that used to satisfy me, now I need to know what's behind it more. And you go another layer deep and another layer deep. And you always end up in the same place, you know. You always end up at some of the people who change the, change the visual game, you know. Incredible filmmakers or incredible photographers or... All that sort of stuff but I think right from the start we've we've really wanted to feed ourselves
1: good stuff mm-hmm. um, yeah. do you feel so you, you feel like most people don't go that extra layer deep oh, I th-
0: no I, th- I, mean, I think it's a matter of time as well I think um, I think one of the one of the key things in any craft discipline is you've got to you've got to plot and plan what you need to do to stay in the game for long enough to get good mm-hmm. and eventually if you stay doing what you're doing for long enough you will you know, you, like if you were just discovering... Let's say you walked into a cinema and you'd never seen a movie before, right? And and, and you went to the movies mm. right now and you saw, I don't know, what would you say? A, a Marvel film or something, yeah. whatever, right? And you'd be like, whoa, holy shit, the, this, there's a massive screen and there's like crazy stuff yeah. moving and these things exploding, this is wild. Um, but after about like, you know, two months of watching Marvel films, you'd be like, wonder if there's any other kinds of films. Yeah. You go a little bit deeper and you go a little bit deeper and you go a little bit deeper, you know? And you you skim back 10 years and you you find you're watching, you know, The Albu Blood or, you know, or like Deacon's, you know, No Country for Old Men. Mm. Um, And you're like, holy shit, this stuff's like. And then it's like, wait a sec, what if I go back another 10 years? Terrible period, so don't go back 20 years. Um, But yeah, I think it's just a matter of time in the game Mm. to, to, to peel the layers back and suddenly discover like a whole bunch more inspiration. And and when you finally get to that really potent level of of the masters or the people who changed the game or the people who invented a way of doing things or whatever, you know, um, you know, like it completely changes you. You've just got to stay in the game long enough mm. to, to get that inspiration to make yeah. something good. And I, I think it's like, you know, um, I remember when I moved on from from discovering you know seeing a certain kind of light seeing light in a certain way um loving super directional light like um and how people used it to then going just to moving beyond looking at at photographic stuff and films to being like holy shit like people were doing this like you know in the golden age like in, like like the dutch masters yeah. you know and then and then going from that to like you know going from rembrandt to like caravaggio you know and being like holy who's this guy like yeah. what the hell you know going to galleries like in in europe and like hunting down every caravaggio you could find to be just like th- this is a level of yeah. mastery and then you go oh, i see what you know Dorothea Lang was doing or i see what i see where William Eagleston was copying this thing from or I see what Stephen Shaw was trying to do. Um, so all, all of that, the, the, the people who are like legacy photographic people or visual people were referencing this way earlier game from a whole different discipline. Um, but yeah, then also saying, you know, you, you cross all these lines. You see people like Stephen Shaw referencing, you know, like um, Mies van der Rohe and some of these fantastic architects about the use of light and shape and line and everything and you suddenly realize that if you it, hey pick your stream steer, steer your boat down whichever stream you want and you're going to find some really potent raw stuff so long as it's at that level so long as it's not Instagram you know so long as you're actively yeah. curating and actively feeding yourself mm. to figure out to, to, to be building yourself into what you want to do and what you want to make not just like I'll let an algorithm build me yeah. you turn into a terrible thing yeah. you know mm. that's yeah um Interesting. Yeah. How do we get, uh, yeah. How do we get, I mean, all of this, all like, this stuff is just like, you know,
1: you're, you're the result of what you put into yourself. Yeah. And I think it's, um, cause I, 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 I have a very bad habit of doing that algorithm bouncing thing where I'll use things like Instagram or Pinterest to do exploring. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it, and, it, and, and like, I, I can find some cool stuff, but it does feel there's, more shallow than there is so much yeah. cool stuff. I think that's the thing, is that there's the problem is not this is shit, but the problem is like
0: this is too great. There's there's so much cool stuff. Yeah. And um and and we live in this age where you carry this device around with you mm-hmm. um which is basically a, a Facebook product delivery vehicle. So is there there's something like eighty percent of the data fed to mobile devices is delivering a Facebook product? Um you know and and they have this this they have this huge massive amount of people who are who are just building things to keep you in it. so naturally it's it's not like whoa you're you know you're an idiot because you look at it's like yeah this this whole business is built around stuff but um but there's there's a huge amount of incredibly beautiful stuff that people are making um. But the problem is that it, it, you just get fed it like you're like you're standing underneath a waterfall. It's yeah. like it's like you're someone described to me once, yeah. it's like it's like you're a water quality scientist yeah. trying wanting to investigate water at a molecular level and you're standing under a like a waterfall with a test tube It's con- like <laughs> Is this the bit? What yeah. about this? What the, you know, it's just you know, you get out of the fucking waterfall. Um, yep yeah and and but i think too it's like once you take control of your diet to just go you know what like i've thought about the kind of work that i want to make and i've thought about the kind of work that forms me into the artist that i want to be and it's this kind of work, so I'm going to distance myself from all this other stuff and just go deep on this, you know, it might be super directional light like I love or it might be line and shape and, you know, like that, like crazy architectural stuff so you, you, know, so, so you, you look at that certain kind of stuff and just really focus in on that kind of thing but, and then feed yourself more and more and more and more of it I think the rule is that the more potent your diet is Um, the better the result will be the more concentrated and potent it is about a certain thing the more that that will get into you and you'll end up making something and I think like as a rule you will I mean you will water down whatever you're looking at or whatever you're listening to, if it's music or whatever you, you know, whatever your inspiration is, you'll water it down and you'll kind of make it a bit shit. So um, it's just a natural human kind of vibe. Even if you try and rip something off perfectly, you're never necessarily going to make it better. You're always going to make it worse. So what that means is you need to feed yourself stuff which is like the opposite of bland, which is brutally... Mm-hmm on the edge you know very potent very challenging i mean there's a great there's a documentary documentary making rule which is like if you want to change other people's minds you have to have your mind changed in the process you know so if you're making a documentary and about a certain issue or a subject and you've already decided what the facts are and what it is before you start that's just called preaching but if you go into a thing to investigate and you have your mind changed in the process of making it guarantee that the thing you make will change other people's minds because you've already gone through that experience of going this was so potent that it changed how I thought and felt about this issue when I thought it was like this and in the same way with, with creative stuff, you have to feed yourself stuff which is which is so potent that you're kind of like, I'm not sure how I feel about this or I'm not sure if this is great or if this is bad or that you're, in, you're, you're at that level, not back at this you know, at, at, at that's kind of like the, that's like you know Howl and wolf and lead belly in a music sense versus chris martin you know versus coplay you know um where it's just like well this stuff is like absolutely wild this wasn't yeah. made for consumption who knows why they made this what are they even singing about this this is this is some pretty incredible stuff um yeah i think you just have to keep it really potent and it's really easy when you are when you do what we do when you're like running a small business you're, you're a, a creative who's kind of like trying to, you know, you're not plugged into this massive larger thing. You you have to create this world that you're making stuff in. Um, it's really easy to, to get distracted and forget to feed yourself really potent stuff, you know. But just doing the basic thing of plotting out and planning, what's my creative diet? And... Being like, okay, you know, I I know I live in a world that's got all these algorithms feeding me stuff. You know, I can't avoid it. I'm going to be part of it. But also I know that, like, I'm going to feed myself inspirational content in this way or get it from this or it's going to be this thing. Or this year I'm only about this person's work. So you buy yourself five, like, photo books that has their history and their work in. And that's the place where you go when you're sitting down with your morning coffee, like in the morning sun, at the table. You're like, this is my hour of inspiration where I'm feeding I know the stuff I'm feeding myself now, I take seriously and I examine it. But the stuff that when I'm scrolling on the phone, I know it's just for kicks. So, you know, you, you're just basically saying, I'm going to
1: give myself a deliberate diet. Because hmm. there's something about removing the distraction and focusing. Right? I mean, it's, it's like you are saying with the waterfall analogy. It's like you just having that intentional focus on a very specific thing to try and extract yeah. something out of it. And it's, and it's very easy, like the, back to the waterfall industry, it's, it would be very easy
0: if you were a water quality scientist that you're standing under a waterfall trying to get a sample <laughs> and you think because you're wet that you're doing the job because you're about water, but you're not. Your job is to like examine this shit, you know. Um, and I think that's what it feels like if you're, you're a creative person and you're, you're having all of this incredible, beautiful work rained on you constantly you think, well I'm around it, I'm, this must be good for me, but it's it's probably not, yes. because what's good for you is going, how do I make something mm. that only I can make, you know what do I feed myself this bunch of stuff that I have an output, which which one ma- makes my audience feel something, you know gives them a the thing that they can't get from anywhere else brings them alive, makes them whatever but two, makes me feel satisfied like I'm doing something good with my life um and and means that it's, you know, you're not just regurgitating the same old, same old, but you're just like, Whoa, like I'm ma- i I'm, I'm making something good, you know. There's a there's a crazy saying, um comes from the architecture world, which is like you can only make three good things in your life. Hmm. And it's it's pretty confronting and people I've had people just argued argue with me hard about that until they suddenly just go, like, oh, Wait a second. <laughs> Actually, maybe. Um, yeah, you can probably make three good things, do three good things you know, um, in, your, in your life. And the older you get before you realise that, you're probably down to two. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's just, that's the level of focus that it takes to make something good, to do something great, to learn something, to feed yourself with inspiration, to, to nail a skill, mm-hmm. um, to be brave and to be bold and to deal with all the distractions and just get out there and go, shit, I'm doing it. This is my, mm-hmm. this is my good thing. This is my situation, especially in the world that we live in right now, which is just, Constantly chock full of distractions, you know. Um, yeah.
1: Mm. And so, was there a point as you? Oh, we are back to the history. Yeah, I keep forgetting. No, no, right no, 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 it's it's good. Good. no. it's good. No, no this good. is this is incredible. I'm I'm super stoked. But I guess because um, like obviously feeding yourself like the right diet, you know, the right creative diet is incredibly important and. Um, you know Surrounding yourself Constantly with it And working co- constantly On your craft um, Like you mentioned The 10,000 hours thing Was there a point That you felt like Cool I get it Or has it just been A kind of constant Like no, There's a constant thing I mean the, the The biggest
0: thing About that diet mm. The biggest part Of your diet Is people Like without doubt um, they're, the, they're the ones Who open new doors To you know To new stuff And I think that's the thing is that once you, you feel like you've got a thing down and you just go oh shit I think I finally understand this um, and you'll meet someone or someone you know like we're so lucky to have a, this incredible crew of, of, of beautiful friends like you know Ollie Sansom like Cassie Sullivan like um, and that we've we've tripped around the world with and done crazy things you know like Ryan Heidi in New York the, the Fortune in the North crew like um, and we've kind of just we've the non-mental Month-long road trips with each other and thrashed out things on our on our couch late at night in front of the fire and you know and and we've got this beautiful collection of of people who are happy to engage with this stuff and talk about it and be like shit look at this you know or like um you know like I'll I'll get a text from like you know like Danel Danelle, Danelle Bohane, or like or, or Ollie or like Joel Olston or someone and it's just like a it's a, a photo of it. like that nat geo that i found like a photo of a thing in a place or a thing in a gallery where you know Ollie oh, will just send me this this video of this strange thing and then all he says is just like or oh, mate m m with a thousand eights yeah. you know um and you don't hear from him for three months and then yeah. suddenly you get this like torrent of stuff and i'm just like what and he's like what and you're like Shit, i just i thought we'd i thought we were getting somewhere yeah. And we just realise that we're getting nowhere. Yeah. What is this? This is like heartbreakingly amazing, but yeah. what? So it, I think that's that's the thing. Is you it, it moves ahead and stops and starts. But it's always the people that you put around yourself who just... Because, you know, you put your head down and, you, you, and you're and you doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And it takes someone who knows you, your crew who knows you really well, who can just be like, show up one day. Like Cassie's classic, we should just sit in the corner quietly forever and then just... Then she'll speak up at one point point, just be like, you know what? I think it all might be bullshit. Like, this is really what? You know, um it's like it's easy for someone like me who can who can develop an opinion on anything instantly, usually wrong. And, you know, like that you just get sailing away that to make sure that you surround yourself with people who
1: at some stage yeah. just be like, what are you talking about? Like that's like ridiculous. I I saw a, I don't know, I don't know when or where or what, but I saw some Instagram story where I was just like out of the blue, it was just like halfway through one of your sentences and you were just like, you know what, I'm going to call bullshit on banana banana bread, it's just cake It is just cake, like it's not bread,
0: it's like a loaf and it's like, it's full of sugar and butter and it's absolutely delicious, but like it's not bread, guys. It's a muffin <laughs> reshaped into, like, a larger... It's like a larger muffin. And it's, like, I'm all for it. Yeah. But I just, you know, now we're changing on to baking, baking things. Yeah. While we're on it, no. Yeah. Like, is a ham and cheese croissant? Is that... Can you say croissant? I think if it's got ham
1: and cheese in it, you have to say croissant. Probably. Yeah, Good. Yeah. good meeting. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to open my damn phone with the face ID to get my next set of questions up. Um, I guess. Oh, I, I mean, you know, yeah. before you get to the yeah. next thing,
0: like the the mm. the people thing is so important. Like mm. we we have um, when we started the wedding industry, you know, like 11 years ago, the wedding industry was very different to how it is now. Mm. And I think one of the beautiful things about social media game is that it's. It's brought. I mean, there's a lot of evils. It's hard to know. It probably balances out. But one of the beautiful things is that it's brought people close together around the world. You can you can have these wonderful relationships with people, and then you can meet them in person when you're you know at a conference or you're somewhere and you're just like, yo, it's this thing's worked. It's brought us together. That's when it works really well. Like that's amazing. But the, like we're we're lucky enough to have just had, you know, when we were starting, we, we didn't really have anyone to help us out, and so we were just like, shit, we slowly were like when people would ask for help or they would be coming through New Zealand and need some place to stay would be like just stay with us Like, and it ends up being this amazing um, this amazing mix of very different people you've got through your house all the time and you're just having yarns on the couch about stuff and figuring out what you think about things and being exposed to different situations and different stuff and having wonderful people around you is is everything that's that is it like the, the things that change you will be will not be something you read on someone's instagram stories apart from banana bread that's yeah. key um or it won't be something that you hunted out yourself because you don't know what to, you don't know what's going to change you to hunt it out you're not going to feed yourself that someone else has to show up in your world to be like yo look at this like break and i think we've really enjoyed being being able to be that For some people So I to pass it I want to be like This We discovered this thing And this was like Benchmark Like yeah. here You know like Here discover Either the same thing Or just Or like something else Or who knows what You know
1: yeah. and I think I think that's the, that. That's the thing I would love to Chat about Is the idea of Sharing And because I think A lot of people Fall into the trap Of they find a cool thing and they want to hoard it. Or defensive and, creatives yeah. are like a life yeah. This is one of my favorite yeah. lols. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. because what it does
0: is it, 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 I mean, it's like that idea that you think that, um, from inspirational stuff, that you, we honestly want to think that we're magic. Yeah. And and it's a very natural human thing to want, Like lots of the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves basically revolve around the same narrative, which is like, I'm very special.
1: Yeah.
0: And, which is cool if you're five, but you know, yeah. one day you have to wake up and just be like, I might not be special. Like or I might not be magic. Which is which can be quite a shock if you've like fed yourself the, the Kool Aid that you're that you're super special in magic. And and I think what you think that you think that the stuff that you're making came from you, not that you other sum of your parts or that you saw someone else's idea and you, you produced a thing that was probably worse, you know, that you watered it down. No one wants to hear that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, it, it's, I can't even remember what we're fucking talking about. It's so onto the, onto the Kool-Aid magic of like pretending that you're special. Um, no, I think once you can be honest with yourself to go, you know what, like I'm the sum of a bunch of things and all of that knowledge is out there and I can't hoard it, I can't keep it from anyone like and I could give this knowledge to someone else, and they'll do a completely different thing with it. you know um that's a, that's a really that's a super healthy place to be like because what it says is that, is it' is it's you acknowledging that like you have a very individual take mm-hmm. on the world, and someone else does too, and probably the first iteration of what someone will do with anything you share with them will be pretty similar to what you do, but really quickly. If you've got guess, good, yeah. if you've got good friends, if you've got good people around you, yeah. they're just going to take it off into another thing. And I like heaps of the workshop stuff that we do. The the kind of pact that you, and even mentors, and things and stuff like that. Which I I hate the mentors. I like. It's really just hanging out with someone, sharing some knowledge, and uh, I always just kind of have this pact with people of being like, hey, like, in five years' time. Like you have to do something so great with whatever we're talking about that in five years' time I'm knocking on your door and you need to be kind to me and show me what you know because like you you just need to change gears on this shit and take it way more places than we could ever take it Um, and I think that's a that's a healthy place to be is to think that like um, you know like if if you're younger I think it's it's vital to remember that whatever you do you're going to be standing on the shoulders of some people who came before you Mm. whether that's you know the most recent people, or whether that's legacy crazy. You know whether it's Caravaggio. But you're standing on the sh- on shoulders of people who've done a lot of hard work before you. Um, and I think if you're older, your job is to build strong shoulders so that people can stand on them. And a lot of that is just being like, just get over your fucking self. Like you're not, you're not magic. You know you've you've absorbed this amazing stuff for years, and pass it on and share it with other people, and they'll do something incredible with it. And just hope that, and keep those people close to you because when they do do something incredible with it, you're going to go back to them and be like, "Holy shit, I never would have thought. Can, how did you do that can you sh-? but it, t- it takes a level of it takes a level of being comfortable with your ego that you don't need to be I mean this brings me on to the my my great passionate thing like like if you if you're a creative and if you're making art, you should absolutely fundamentally think that hierarchies are bullshit. Like Because art art is a, um, by nature, art is an anti-authoritarian thing that says that you can say to a bunch of people, you're, like you're a voice for society, for like all the 95% of other people who don't have a voice or who are, um, you know, who... who who stop feeling because they've been squashed down by this whole process of education and corporate life and whatever is that doing, you know? But you have this a really potent voice, and it's quite. Art should be anti authoritarian. It should be, in some ways, just saying, no, fuck you. Like, this is what you should think, and this is what you should feel, and this is what you should, you know? And, um, like, you should naturally be putting information out into, to other artists that cause them to, like, want to punch you mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. cause them to just yeah. like there mm-hmm. should be this fight yeah. where, where, where the revolution goes mm-hmm. on and on and on mm-hmm. and on and if you're putting out information to people which means that you you are still the peak of this hierarchy you've failed like that's yeah. not how art works but the way that a lot of these things in, in most creative industries work how people make their money is, is status and is where they sit on this thing even just the simple thing of like a photo conference. Someone needs to sell tickets, so they need to make someone else feel like they are lesser than you, that you're further up the hierarchy. So they buy a ticket to come here about your magic hope that they can move up the thing. So you've got to you sort of almost already have to live in that world. Um, but then you show up at the thing and you just like this is bullshit. Everyone in this room can make world class work on their day, um, and hopefully what we're on about is helping you to increase your consistency or to just be like just go way off into another thing it's an interesting like thinking about the like the point of an artist in society is a really vital is a really vital discussion to have with yourself I think Um,
1: I think the whole the the, because I like I totally hear you on the art being anti-authoritarian I'm interested to see we've gone um, full art we've just gone full art well I'm 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 all about my wife's got a masters in art history so we tour art all the time but the 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 idea of um, the, that anti-author uh, anti-authoritarian attitude and how it relates to weddings because weddings are squishy, lovey, emotional things like how are you taking that that anti-authoritarian I mean, attitude of telling people this is how you feel and this is what you should do and well I and, think and, and, it's I think, I think, I think it's it for more that, mm-hmm. that stuff of like how art works
0: you know and how artists work and how you operate in some ways it's just giving yourself permission to go, oh, lots of these things that I feel about how, how you make stuff um, come from this, come from this. This is the building blocks of, of making the stuff. And so, you know, when you get to the making, it it, it should be sort of like pretty pretty natural. I, I mean, people, whatever you're making is, yep. I think... Weddings get a bad name because of the W word. It's, we always just talk about being people in love, you know. Yeah. And people in love are crazy, potent creatures that are who are who are wild, batshit crazy, doing a once in a lifetime thing, surrounded by families that are broken or whole, you know. Um, surrounded by friends who are mad or wonderful. Surrounded by like it, it's a human panoply of everything yeah. you could imagine that you love about. Um, you know looking back at any any document any in the photographic document or any era of history like whether it's like the um, the, the whatever it's, farm security administration stuff like like Oklahoma or that, that like Walker Evans Dorothy Lang that era which is what is that pre-world War two like um, John Steinbeck novelist era like the 30s I guess when um, there's there's a massive drought in the middle of the US and everyone moves to California and all these families are just trapped, like, dirt poor. Like, the US government set up the Farm Security Administration to try and deal with this mass migration of super poor people. Um, and they sent out photographers to document it. And those photographers turned out to be some of, like, to make this work. And it was at the, the very birth of photography. So they, they sent out these 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 men and women to shoot this stuff um, that is still the benchmark Documentary stuff today, um, and you look at that stuff and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Like, look at, like, because they had this level of access at a government level, um, and they were doing this craft that no one knew what they were doing. You can walk into like a shack um, with a bunch of like you know three sick kids and parents with rags falling off them. There's no food, and the the a fucking dust storm's blowing through it. Um, and that just glad someone's there. No one was just like, oh, you've got a camera, you know? It's just like, what's a camera?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they took the, they made this, this incredible work. You can either look at that, that's potent yeah. human stuff, yeah. or you can look at like the, the, the 60s in San Francisco, you know, and this wild like counterculture mm-hmm. thing going on where everything's batshit crazy. And the people who documented that, you know, and that's like, um, even like the 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 early Annie Leibovitz stuff of like documenting the music industry around that time, you know, she goes on tour with the Rolling Stones and the Altamont Speedway stuff with, with the Hell's Angels and everything. Like that's potent, insane, crazy shit, you know. Um, but yeah, like you can look at all these these periods of history and see this crazy, potent human. Interaction. And what you're looking at is you're all, you're looking at the stuff that we look at on a wedding day. You're looking at crazy relationships. You're looking at mad, batshit crazy love against all odds, often. You're looking at people spending a crazy amount of money sometimes or no money at all. You're looking at people who just made stuff happen because they were in love. And then you're looking at the families who made them who they are. And you have this wild access to these people they want you there and they want you to tell this story. And if you've got even a bone of empathy in your body, you can figure out how to be in the room with people and how to feel it with them and how to document it with them and be in the right place at the right time. Because you, the, the gift you've got when you do this stuff, in the same way as like say, King Lebovitz being on tour with the Rolling Stones, is that you know night after night or day after day, what happens in the room and you know where you have to be. And you know it more than everyone else in the room knows it you know that like in two hours that grumpy dude there who doesn't quite know how to deal with his daughter getting married is going to transform into this tearful crazy caught up in the moment dude over here and you know that it's going to happen and you know then that you have to be from here to there and then if you're there at this moment you are going to document this magic thing this magic transformation of this person that only happens once in their life um and so i think that's that's a lot of the all the same Countercultural, anti-authoritarian, making art rules that apply to any time people make things about the human condition apply to you. Um, I don't even know if that answers your question. No, it does. It's- I mean, lo- lots of that that art, how art works stuff is is just about figuring out who you are and why you're making. And then after that, once you can answer those questions for yourself, after that, the the, the what you're making just works out, you know.
1: a bit of yeah. a rant. That was that was that was very sound That was great. Yeah. No, I love it. Um, Meanwhile, outside like the doors, the pandemic. Is <laughs> going on. People are looting. Just yeah. fuck, man. You just you're so good. You just go off on these tangents. I, I struggle to keep up, but it's it's incredible. Um my mind is just going a million miles a minute. Um, I want to take what you just said there around. I guess observing the day and and i guess telling those stories and and hone in on that word storytelling as like a bit of a buzzword but because it's this it's this this it's this sort of skill that people often say they have they are a storyteller and i guess like that word storytelling i guess what is your opinion on that and how it relates to uh, work. Oh man, it's like it's it it's hard to put, just it's, it's such an overused horrible. It is. It, it is
0: horrible work. Um, but it's it's like it's yeah. I, people who 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 have shot beautiful things about the about the human condition are. I feel like they're not storytellers, but they are. They're very good, empathetic. They're good at being invisible in their own. And we're often they're the largest, the largest feature because they're the, the person who doesn't belong, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like oh, who's oh, who's who's this? Uh, mental blank. Uh, Aaron Huey. So a, a workshop, which is like a workshop <laughs> that our friends ran in New York for a few years, um, and it's kind of on pause at the moment. Um, first year that we were there with them um, you know like a, a wonderful lineup of like but people from the wedding industry mostly and um but there were there were a couple of these ryan has always sort of got a couple of people to come who are just like benchmark visual storytellers so you've got this this big crowd of people attending this workshop who are mostly wedding industry people and they're attending it for the wedding industry mm-hmm. People who are a bit further up the game, you know, who who have been in it longer, who are there, and then the the people who are there from the winning industry speaking are attending it for these two people who are outside of the winning industry who they just want to be around. So that's kind of this this crazy thing. One year, um, yeah, one year, like Aaron Huey was there, and he's like a Geo guy, Um, brilliant storyteller, like, and he does like seven year, eight year longitudinal projects for like the New York Times and for NetGeo, like on on like alcoholism and suicide on Navajo reservations. Like this classic mix of, of colonialism and and mental health, and like it's like, holy, how do you do that? And you know, like his stories from that stuff are just like, um, like yeah, you, what you do is you show up for two years without a camera and you figure out how you can just be around and what's going on, and you have your mind changed 10 times, and you you know, go back and back with a writer, and then to. Until you start figuring out how you can document and tell the stories really well, yeah. that's empathy, um, right? Like, like you're saying yeah, about wanting to have your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. that's the thing. Like like mm-hmm. the like empathy, understanding like what it feels mm-hmm. like for the other person, yeah. and what's actually not the thing that you the story you're imposing on them, but what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I rem- like this is just the. I remember like we were in this venue in in Brooklyn, and a bunch of us are like at the back of the room, like you know, there's this Q and A going on, like. Aaron's spoken and shown a bunch of work and, and, you know, he's like the last speaker and people, he's taking questions. He's taking questions from like, you know, from, from young, um, young wedding photographers, like 23 year old, whatever, who, who are still in their development, are still back at this other stage. Um, and, and all incredibly valid questions. Like when you're at, when you're at that stage and we're, we're sitting at the back of this, thing around this big marble bar like off to the side and i remember it was like 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 me and like you know um a friend of mine, ryan muirhead who's a fantastic film photographer like friend of ours um who, very nuanced complex dude you know jonas peterson ollie's handsome like we, we're and so we're all sort of on a similar wavelength about this all these things we've been talking about and we're sitting there you know and we've just been blown away by huey just being like who is this guy like what the hell um, and someone asked him last question, last question of the night. Someone asked him, "Oh, what's a um, classic wedding photographer question? Oh, like, what gear, what gear would yes. you take on a job?" And we were just like, "Oh, oh like no, the audible grace, you're kidding yeah. me! Like, yeah. how, why would you ask this guy that?" And Huey so yeah. magnificent. Um, he, you know, the, 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 this is the, this is a guy who like who. I mean out of one of his many projects like he's the guy who got the washington post to print those like at the trump inauguration um to print those three portraits of of the women mm, mm-hmm. um yeah. you know and the, yeah. the, the obey guy did yeah. and they printed them they did this big fun, read- and he he was mm. at the heart yeah. of that That people held up at the thing yeah. they held up the newspaper um yeah so like someone's what's what's on your back and huey's huey is he's just such a brilliant Un- empathetic understander of like whatever he's just like oh you know like you the the goal the goal is to just be invisible in the room you know and so if it's a short story if it's a thing that i've got to figure out real fast if you go and wait to do a job for a week um you know i'll take a bunch of things you know cameras and leads and stuff he's like but if the story is really important if you've been on it for years and you've discovered whatever the thing is you know um he's like you know the like the bag of tricks of the photographer really don't matter anymore. He's like, if the story really matters, you've just got a camera and you've got you've got like a 35mm lens. Because when things are important, if you're good at your job, the tricks just have to fuck off. Mm. Um, and it just we were all like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, like, because that just uh, sums it yeah. up. Like, if the story's important, it's not yeah. tricks. There's no and so many of the things in the tool bag of like people in our industry are, are, are tricks um about how to how to mostly about how to impose a visual style on someone else's story mostly about how to impose your the way you shoot a thing yeah. on someone else's mm-hmm. story and I understand that because it, it's a hard job yeah. you're shooting available light you're walking into a room of strangers you're trying to stuff's happening yeah there's always really, there's always things yeah. happening and you're just trying to figure out I've got a storyboard in my head that I can pin the stuff on to somehow get to the end of the day and give these people a result um, but at the same time, that so often turns into you imposing mm. your, your grid yeah. onto this stuff. Mm. And what you miss is the real, actual, empathetic, important Aaron Huey-level stories that are going on. Which is just like, you know what, sometimes the more confident you get, and the more confident you in your ability to see light, your ability to mostly understand people, the more the tricks can fuck off and you can just be in the room and someone lets you be in the room You know, like you you can be in a situation where you're in the corner. um, You know the right. You know the right. How much presence to have? You know. You know what times to be silent and what times to not be silent.
1: Because it's not so much that the tricks fuck off; it's that they move to the back of your mind. They're still there. Yeah, it's just just the 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 tools. Just the tools that you've got. But
0: but the the, the bottom line Mm. is the understanding people. Mm. Understanding people is the number one skill that you've got. You know, and understanding the situations that are playing out and being able to be in a room where you know where a son who's getting married has a big argument with his mum and then they both break down in tears mm-hmm. um, and unlock all these parts of their relationship that are kind of unspoken but yeah, that you know and that they're happy for you to be the invisible person in the room is a level of empathy that they can feel mm-hmm. that suddenly tricks tricks are not required and even a good photograph isn't required, just any photograph Like you know, I don't know if you, if you ever go to like the press photo stuff every year, you know, as, as a competition it's an interesting game, but, but the work that's on display is, is just usually the like a cream of some of the, the, the stories that have played out during the year, you know, a hundred or so images or whatever, and the stuff that's amazing is, is not necessarily incredible photographs, but it's the fact that someone was there, they had access, and they had enough empathy and understanding of the human condition to put themselves in the right place at the right time and at the, at, the, at the very moment when they knew that they wouldn't kill everything they they Definitely. took the frame or everyone was happy with them taking the frame you know um, yeah the, I mean the, there's so much in common and I, I, I don't, you know I don't want to be like I mean, we're wedding photographers you know mm. and in some ways you just want to go listen you're not yeah. special like what yeah. are you, we're doing is this thing but at yep. the same time too like people in love are just fucking remarkable mm. creatures and you put them in a situation like like um, having everyone around to celebrate their love, like in this once in a lifetime thing. Is it, this is some wild? This is some wild shit, you know. Imagine that it's like a nineteen fifties like documentary on on Papua New Guinea, like rituals and whatever, you know. And you'd be glued to the TV, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's people are incredible, and, and the things that that people go through in their love are incredible. And, and the ways that it has played out in a family is incredible. And all of the stories, the love stories that are in a family, you know, love is a gritty, very practical thing, you know, and we like to think about it as being this soppy, soft thing. But, like, we we used to before, um, before, like, the Australian marriage equality thing, you know, we used to see, there used to be so many same-sex couples who would come to New Zealand and get married because they couldn't get married in Australia. And to see... Just as an example, to see that stuff go down, where that they've had to come to another country and bring all of their friends um, to celebrate, you know who they are together, um, because they weren't allowed to do it in their home country. So the level of joy that you see amongst their people, the level of tears and family speeches, and all these people, and we would see like these like incredibly stylish, amazing people getting married in places in New Zealand would just be like, this, is bit, I don't, this isn't this venue isn't usually... It's a wedding venue. This venue isn't usually... Yeah. Ever. They don't give a shit. They're just like, yeah. we we got online, we found a place, yeah. we booked it. We booked some who flights, cares, yeah. yeah, and we filled it up with all the most yeah. glorious people mm-hmm. in our world. And suddenly you just go like, I've never seen... I've shot at this venue 20 times. Mm-hmm. I've never seen what's going on here in this place. Look at this, this level of... And, and lots of that stuff is just... You, when you say people can't do a thing and it's to do with love, well, I'm, like, don't gonna count. Yeah. it's going to happen, you know. Um, I don't even know how we're talking about this. I think I think it's just the thing. It's, it's easy to th- talk about the wedding industry, but when you start to talk about people in love just making it happen is probably the most um, captivating thing on the face of the earth. Like Because that's what, when you see, like, Like, you think about some of the crazy refugee stories we've seen that have been beautifully shot, you know, and the stories beautifully told of, like, Syrian refugees crossing the border into Turkey or, like, you know, getting on, like, crazy rafts to Greece or North Africa. Like, these are people who... Like they are driven like because somewhere in the game they love someone and they want to take care of them, they want a better thing for their family or or their parents said, "You have to go, there is no you live in South Sudan and you will die in South Sudan unless you leave now and go north, you know um, people smuggling their entire family out of out of Syria like they this is a love story it's it 's the end result of a love story because a love story starts with two people and then it turns into. A baby, and it turns into a family, and the love, and this is, you know, um, and then you, 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 uh, in an incredible way, end up loving the person that they love, and it, it just grows and grows and grows. This is all love stories, and figuring out how you can tell them empathetically without imposing your grid on it mm. is very, it's very hard, but it's also, you know, you've cre- you know, you're onto something yeah. when, you, when you're doing that. That's the story, that's the
1: storytelling yeah. thing. Epic. Nice, man. Um, I guess to kind of just as a couple of things before we sort of start to wrap up uh, the conversation. Oh, shit, we've got to wrap up. Unfortunately. These things can't you know, be fired out of long, They can't be forever. Also, the pandemic's going on. Yeah, <laughs> we could just stay in here for a yeah, month. I think. it's yeah, life We're self-isolating, but just we're a metre apart. That's yeah, fine. yeah. Um, I guess just, there was a couple of things I wanted to... Um, I just get your... I just I like like sort of from the horse's mouth, I guess. Um, uh, your use of um, of film photography, I want to talk about that because it's this kind of thing that is. It's obviously very trendy, but what is it about analog? That process, the fact that there's all this nostalgia wrapped up into, it? like, what is it about the analog process that has kept you with it, and that you feel you perhaps can't get from digital. Um, yeah, I, I think analog process is a very good
0: title for all this stuff, you know, because I think that's what the the thing is. Um, to to dial back a little bit, like gone to shooting film through having some a bunch of friends who were shooting film, but not because you know I always just thought it was horrendously expensive. But we, we got I got really frustrated with just batch it, batch it. crazy colour styles you know um and just people moving a slider because they can move a slider or things being super brown or orange or teal or whatever it is this year and all sort of shit and we, you know making you make your own work that is just regrettable that you look back on in a year and you're just like fuck I'm so sorry I need it. I'm gonna reprocess <laughs> yeah. everything and yeah. give you a new wedding um and all of the reference stuff that 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 Sophie and I were looking at that we loved stuff like Fred Herzog and Stephen Shore, you know, um, and you know Dorothea Lange, like who we've already talked about. Like, and you just go, These colours, these colours are amazing. This, these tones are incredible. Like, why can't I get our stuff to look like that?" And eventually, you just go, "Oh, sh- oh I mean, I'll just shoot a few rolls of film, and then you get the result. If you've got a good lab and you yeah. you've figured it out." you get the result back, and probably you've failed 90% of the time, but that 10% you're just like, mm. that's what yeah. I want. That's the stuff I've mm. been feeding myself. That yeah. looks like what I love, like what yeah. I sit in the morning going through yeah. books. That's mm. that's it. Yeah. That's it. It has to be that. And so we started shooting um, like film, like a few years of film at, at a wedding alongside the other stuff we were doing, like solely as a colour reference to just remind ourselves that to not get off track. Mm. Um, and then started shooting like all of our personal projects on film because it's it's you know if you've got like this massive processing backlog of stuff you, your motivation to go and shoot personal work which is so vital and i, I think there's this distinction between paid work and personal work and in, in, in our game whatever discipline you're doing really it's whether it's you know making films, or whether it's stills, or whatever, um, no one knows what you got paid for a piece of work. No one knows if you got paid, if you didn't get paid. No one knows if you commissioned it yourself or someone else commissioned it. All they know is the the work yeah. that you make, and so you you have to have this approach to all the work you make, which is not uncompromising, and it's a horrible phrase, but but which is like I know what I want to do, and I'm doing this mm. deliberately. I think deliberate is better. Um, but yeah, we, we, so we started shooting all of that personal work stuff on film because it's it's really nice to shoot it and put the rolls over there in a bag in the fridge and they seem to go to the way to the lab and it's a completely different process to all this other stuff that you're going through trying to do this this other thing that you're doing, you know. Um, different f- field of workload and delay gratification and all, and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but I think it started out as a colour process thing and then it turned into discovering so much about analog processes and how they work pre-visualizing you know um understanding what you're you know not just being a like making something out of nothing um as opposed to just kind of being an inherent harvester of 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 shit you know seeing light in in a a certain way and the the seeing light thing it's a bit of i know it's a catchphrase and it's a bit horrible but like no one if you're shooting digitally like no one meters you don't meter, you don't walk into the room and think what am i shooting What's the light doing? What's going on? You Because the first thing you do is that, understandably, you've got this wonderful machine. The first thing you do is just see what. how does the camera see this? Um, and the moment that you have this feedback loop of like, oh, look, I think this looks great. How does the camera see it? And if the camera sees it differently, or whatever the camera sees becomes now what you see. The, you look on the screen, this feedback thing happens, and your ideas develop based on what the camera sees. Um, whereas when you're shooting film, you ha- you have to see the light. You have to stop and look and go. How do I see this? What does this see? How do I figure out how I can make the camera see what I see? How, you know, like the feedback loop is very different, mm. um, and the way that your ideas develop is very is very different. And it's and both ways are valid. Like that it's not like there's, there is no such thing as one thing being better than the other. Both ways are valid. But but what it did what it's done for me and and for both Sophie and I is it's opened us up to just the pause. Mm. Everyone talks about film slowing you down. It's, is it what it does the big thing is that first pause the 10 seconds where you walk into the room to just be like "What? what's the light doing how would I meter this what's the thing what is the main event how is the light fall? how do I you know and, it, and it's it, rather than there being like an algorithm made by a brilliant Japanese engineer that turns into a thing on the back of the screen that tells you this is this is how light works you're left with this and this for at least 10 or 20 seconds before you put the camera up to even just see what the lens sees, you know. Um, And that difference is massive. That difference is remarkable. And anyone that we've got into shooting film, we're always just like, hey, you know, like this is probably a ridiculous behavior, which is super expensive, and you're going to get this crazy old machine and you're probably going to fall in love with it. But the beautiful thing is that the feedback loop is not instant. And so what happens is ideas develop inside you you know, about how you see this and how you tell the story. Constraint. Um, I mean, it's so obvious to say, you know, like, like constraint is one of the key analog processes and we're so used to living in a world where there is no constraint and everything's possible that the beauty of constraint is is a very focusing power. Like I always talk about it, about being like a... And I, it's something that we shouldn't be afraid of. Art has always been constrained and that's what's given its power. Um, but we tend to want free rain and green fields and all this sort of stuff. Um, best example of, of how constraint works is you take a handful of gunpowder, put it on the table, light it, you'll get some smoke, a little bit of flash, interesting. You constrain it with cardboard and you, you get a firecracker, which is a hell of a lot of fun. You constrain the gunpowder with brass and you've got a bullet and you can change history. And so the more constraint that you get, the more power you get, um, and it's easy to forget that... Um, it's like if you if you've got a roll if you've got like a card in your in your in est- like a whatever a CF card in your camera a 128 gig CF card and you've got what is that two and a half thousand mm-hmm. frames mm-hmm. you know like you're just like fuck I'm harvesting the shit out of all of this mm-hmm. if you've got like a Rolleiflex you know with a roll of film in it you brought one film and you've got twelve frames mm-hmm. that are all square <laughs> you know you're like Okay, I've got 12 frames. Like, I need, I need to absolutely understand what's going on here, who the people are, how this works, when the light's good, what the situation is. like, And I need to be absolutely razor sharp on mm-hmm. when that moment happens. I've got 12 moments. What are they going to be? What might they be? How can I budget this out to figure out how this works? And It's, it's, it's suddenly your level of engagement... Is goes from wandering around, and, and but the thing is that like you 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 equally get you get good stuff if you're just blazing away, I'm sure, but there's a certain sense of, of constraint which lends a power that you just go, I, like I have to be in that place, I have to, I have to get myself in the room when this is happening, because I've only got 12 frames, and it, the the constraint is a very different thing. And I think what happens is you learn these these analog ideas these analog rules you know like like about constraint about pre-visualizing about seeing the light you know without the machine in front of you and some of these ideas and you bring them back to the digital world and you're and you're far far better for it you know and you can mix these two worlds up um but it's also like as a reference of color and tone it's remarkable i'm always Sort of like referencing films to people, you know, like so many films, you know, like look at anything that's, that's nominated for for an Oscar any year, and at least half of them are shot on film, yeah, um, because the the directors and the cinematographers who are who are shooting these get these benchmark projects. Like enjoy the process, the analog process and the constraint. There's so many things. I mean, the the color and tone is key, but also like the process that comes with it, because they're capturing performances that can't be gone on again and again and again and again. You know, um, Bob Richardson, like you know, Tarantino's, like DP, you know, or um, like Deacons, like and 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 the people these guys work with. You know, like they they enjoy the process of the analog process. Mm Because suddenly they go from being on a film set where it's just all data and you're generating data over and over again, to being working in a confined situation where they can do three takes and all the actors know that this is a performance. This is not a, like a just documenting yeah. over and over again. It's not just a rehearsal. It's this is a performance. So we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. You know, yeah. we've got another one that's rolling. You hear yeah. the sound of the thing. Yeah, of the, you hear it. Um, and and it's that mm. just absolutely changes what happens mm. yeah and some people think that it changes it for the best so that's why they do it
1: mm. i mean the the very first episode of the podcast i recorded with jared from perspectives he was talking about constraint and that like creativity comes from constraints and yeah it's true because and it's like we're talking right back at the beginning of our um conversation around like if you there's too many options if you're of if if you're yeah, if you're, if it's green fields, if your options are endless, you don't know where to focus. Yeah, like and yeah. and it and it means that the 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 thing the task of documenting
0: overtakes. The, the thing that you should be observing, the empathy that should be having in front of you. It's like give yourself, constrain yourself. You know, yeah. shoot on film, cool, or shoot on a crazy old weird old mm. film camera if you want, or just take one one lens to a wedding, or just like constrain the thing somehow. You know, or only speak French. Uh, that's, no, that's a terrible. That's a terrible idea of constraint. But like, yeah, you can you can learn these lessons and you can put yourself in the situation, or like like walk into the room. And resist for 30 seconds, resist the urge to put the camera up to your face. Resist, resist the urge to, to ask the camera, what do you see, you know? like And just look, look at how the light falls, look at everything yourself, stop. You don't need to scout with a, with a camera, you know? It's a really great discipline to just visualize and think, how does this work? How does this space work? Um, if you 've been shooting for longer than a year, you know what your lenses look like, you know mm. what the color temperature is like. even if you don 't know, you actually know it 's mm. in you you 've figured it out. you know just stop and think about what you know um, and you 'll be able to suddenly be able to figure the sh- figure the shit out, mm. even just like you can look at a thing and even if you 've never met it in your life, mm. you can figure it out. You actually already know it 's not hard, but just stop and think actually, what would you know how much light is here? How would I actually meter this? I know how to do this. I've taken like, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of photos, Mm. you know, and I've like, and I've metered off the back screen of the camera, or I've metered with a light meter, or I've metered with with your eye. Mm. You can figure it out. Mm. And I think some of that stuff is just going. You're a photographer. Mm. You're not an operator of this machine. Mm. The photographer is you. You can do it. You know. So those are some of the things that you, you walk away from using analog processes going shit you walk a little bit taller you have a bit more confidence you go like it's me it's not it's not the yeah. Canon Corporation yeah it's not you feel Mecon. agency it's over not, the tools rather than yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's not yeah. Fuji it's not whatever yeah. it's me yeah love it awesome man alright well I think I mean it's. I've had an epic time this with this I'm gonna have to go away and process a lot of this but i guess to kind We're of like cutting this down to, <laughs> there is no cutting oh. but i guess to to leave us on to leave uh me with some homework and everyone else watching um i guess can you we've sort of talked about a few um names along the way but i guess what are some sort of um some names for me to go go away and start to like go down those layers on Um, I mean, inspiration and sort of.
0: I think. um, I think a better. I think a better way to even do it is rather than inherit names from me. A better way is is to just is to figure out how to start paying attention. So stuff like if you. If you see if go see if you know see plenty of films. Mm -hmm. I think that's key. See plenty of films. Um, I mean, the thing we didn't talk about is is calibration, is how your audience. You know, we, we we love to tell ourselves this lie that our audience is is visually dumb, that we're the great mm-hmm. the people who understand visuals. Like, you know, you've got audiences who go and see, you know, like if you gosh, if you've seen Dunkirk, um, it's just a regular blockbuster movie and it's an absolute masterpiece of colour and tone shot on sixty five mm Kodak Vision three, um, by an incredible crew and it's a masterful piece of, of light. And storytelling and narrative and um, that's just called entertainment mm. films like Dunkirk are what calibrates our audience, they're seeing it's on a par with with them just going to all the great galleries of Europe and seeing every renaissance master you can imagine mm. like this is what they're being calibrated by, the standard is very high um, and so the stuff is out, you don't have to search for it, it's out there, you know, go to a film if, if, it, if it leaves an impression on you go the next day and see it again and take notes because once you forget to, once you don't have to pay attention to the story anymore once you've been the narrative is in you and you're like okay I, I know I know yeah. what the wines are I'm not being I'm not on the edge of my seat I'm just looking at how this visuals work go home and get on IMDB and look who made this mm-hmm. who are the people what else did they make shit if I like this maybe I'd like that you know who's the DP like who was the director how did this stuff work you know who are the people who really actually turned this film from being an idea into a thing um, That like, that's a key thing but obviously like there's some I mean if, if you if you write, we could just do handfuls of names, you know. Like I'm a big fan of like Robert Richardson, Tarantino's mm-hmm. DP, supposedly famously arrogant. Um, but like in, like in shoots on film and the, the works the works incredible, you know. Like like chase down Bob Richardson, and even if you don't like Tarantino films, you know, mm-hmm. um, which there's plenty of reasons to not like Tarantino films, um, his work is amazing. Like the the the, the work of that. You know the, the composition is incredible like the camera flow is incredible mm. um the color and tone is, is, is intense it's, yeah yeah and and he's happy to leave mistakes in yeah um like what's the what's the one where they're all in the snowstorm and the thing um, oh
1: um the deadly eight or yeah whatever something whatever is eight yeah yeah whatever yeah Yeah. like there's plenty of stuff in yeah.
0: that where there's these crazy hot light spots Mm. coming into the house and it blows out the film yeah and he leaves it they leave yeah. it blown out yeah. um because there were like three takes and we we yeah. got this incredible thing from samuel jackson yeah. um that's more important and it was like this is far more important <laughs> yeah. than yeah. this other thing yeah. up here um yeah i would say like bob richardson and anything that roger deakins has had a hand in is mm. is mental i mean if you haven't seen like 1917 um i haven't yet Need to. It's it's a it's a mm. master it's a masterpiece like an absolute masterpiece, and it's easy it's easy to go see films and fall into the fall into the idea of, of being a a cinema goer a watcher mm. which the first time you will be but on the second time your third time you'll be like how did they make this how did they do that look at that look at that holy shit what the lighting look at this and of course Mm. there's a crew of 200 geniuses who who are doing this so it's not Mm. like no one's saying hey your stuff should look like this but it's also like why would you not use this feed yourself this Yeah, like it's going to go home and make you cry Mm. so you know like if you want to make good stuff like feed yourself this Mm. like how the hell and then in the same way in the in the photo game um, you know you scale back there's a bunch of like significant names you know um, Stephen Shore like, like Fred Herzog like even just the colour and tone of, of these two dudes you know Herzog's modern colour is you know um, sore lighter mm-hmm. um it- like like incredible work from a certain period, like in, in New York. Which now, and these are people who. It's not just like go back to look at some old people's mm. shit. Because of, for the sake of it, it's like no. These people, like William Eggleston. These people have informed anyone that you're looking at now is informed by these people. These people are the building blocks. If you're scrolling through on your feed on Instagram, you see something good. I promise you that that it's two or three of those names else, yeah. are the building blocks of whether that person knows it or not. Mm the building blocks will yeah. do. So you might as well feed yourself this yeah. stuff, you know. Um, and and there's the, like the outsider movement, like of of, of artists who who you know, um, Diane Arbus, like shot some batshit crazy stuff, you know. Like um, there's there's an like an incredible movement of people out of New York around in that era era, which is kind of like the early '60s, um, just making art and doing 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 wild shit, you know. Um, and then the, Irving Penn, Richard Avedon like these are people who are the, who are these are like the Beatles and the Hendrix of of, of music. They're always in our music today. Like yeah. people are always referencing the stuff in our music today. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with like if you if you love film, you know, go watch a Kubrick film yeah. and see where um, where did like you know whatever it is um, the space one uh, two you know, oh, thousand yeah, yeah. one yeah two thousand one like like the level of obsession with symmetry. Yeah. And, time, the, and, and the yeah. colour and the shit. And you're just like, where did that come from? And then you look at Eggleston's work and you're like, that's where it came from. Yeah. I see yeah. it. So all yeah. of these things are interconnected. And if you want to make good work, look at this stuff. Because the people who are making good work right now are looking at this stuff. Because it's kind of like, it's the building blocks of our, our visual language. It's, it's the stuff that calibrated mankind in the 20th century to think this is what stuff looks like i mean that's another reason why analog stuff is important is because the color and tone like how we calibrated our brains to color and tone in that key point of history when when color magazines blew up and color films blew up and color tv blew up and 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 the most incredible photographers in the world their work every week is in life magazine and time magazine all the sort of stuff around this era in the 50s and 60s and 70s Um, like They're all shooting on a certain number of film stocks, Mm. and it calibrated us to just be like, that's what contrast looks like, that's what color looks like, that's what skin tone looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like.
1: Um,
0: And Mm. so, what you know, get into it.
1: Yeah, okay, awesome, man. I think that's a great place to leave it. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Good times coming to my little Friday and hanging out and having a yarn. Good luck with the pandemic. Thank you, man. You too. Wash your Stay hair. strong. Yeah. 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 Two two choruses of Jolene. <laughs> oh, Jolene. That's yeah. much better. Cause like, happy, Get, birthday, happy birthday. birthday like, like, fuck like, that. That's bullshit, yeah. yeah also, no. like, happy birthday. And if you do the hip, hip, hooray.
0: Hip, oh, hooray. yeah. It's okay. too long, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think like, the pandemic thing, like yeah. everything else, it will be, it will pass. And people who are, who are robust, you know, as, as entrepreneurs and robust as makers and artists, will not will, it can't get you down mm. you know you get back up yeah Um, but there will be lots of people who will have their robustness tested tested mm. and this will be the thing that's the making of you you look mm. back in 10 years time and go shit I figured out that I actually I can get through it mm. you know that my passion to make stuff was bigger than COVID-19 <laughs> you know Um but also that you discover that the empathy that hopefully you pour out on the people you make stuff for got poured out on you as well mm. so
1: yeah Right on, man. Cool, man. All right, that's gonna do us. And uh, yeah, see you guys next time.